the waves, the motion of the ocean, riding the wave, keep riding the wave, guys. <laughs> Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Putting It Together. We're nearly at 300 episodes, can you believe that? This is episode 297 with the wonderful Rosie Graham. I had the most gorgeous chat with Rosie. A great person um, and a huge talent, of course, and what a a string of work. Amazing. Um, So hear all about it here. Come and and hear it. This is where you heard it. And um, she's just come back off the uh, hex at the National Theatre, playing the lead in that. And she's got a huge wealth of of TV experience and film experience already at her young age. Um, And just, she's got great patter, which is always good. Uh, You know, I think, you know, above everything, it's nice when people are experienced, but it's even better when they've got good patter, you know. Uh, so it was a great chat, and uh, some of it we were a bit uh, unhinged. Unhinged? I don't know, because uh, our co was, was filming wee clips of it. Um, so you can see some of the interview on our social media coming quite soon. Um, but it, it did definitely put us in a slightly different space, just for the first 10 minutes. I don't know if any of that will be evident. Um, but anyway... It's good. It's a beautiful thing and I really enjoyed the conversation. I've been meaning to do it for ages. Enjoying doing the pod. It's nice to sit here and talk to you as always. Uh, What have I got to update you on? Well, I was away at the weekend playing music for Irish Dancing and uh, it wasn't my best gig, let me tell you. Um, Some of it was good, some of it I didn't do very well and, and it's made me really rethink. In fact, the first thing that came up was, right, that's it, I quit. And then... I realised that I've got a gig this weekend and one the following weekend and I couldn't get out of them. So I thought, well, I can't quite yet. So in the meantime, I'm going to need to practice. And let me tell you, if you play an instrument, I mean, this is just 101, but unbelievable the difference sitting down for a few hours and practising. And I don't mean playing material as much as I mean actually practising the material. Um, So I took... I've taken one one tune at a time, and I mean the, the ones that I have to play the fastest. The other ones are kind of okay, um, but the fast ones, the reels, have always been a source of panic for me. And the way that I'm now dealing with it is taking them one at a time, pulling them apart, and seeing how I actually play them. Because a lot of them, you'll identify with this if you're a musician, especially if you learn by ear. A lot of them I've learned, and just play them, I sort of play them as I hear them, and I hope that they'll turn out all right, instead of actually slowing them right down and finding out exactly what fingers are going to hit what notes at what moment. And again, this will sound like teaching a granny to suck eggs, but I just, I've just kind of somehow fudged my way along and never stopped to really do that. And over the last three days, I've started doing it, and I can't, I can't even believe myself the difference that it's made. So it's, it's a big change and I'm at the point now where I don't want to quit. I want to do this weekend and next weekend and then I want to keep going. Um, so I'll do I'll do as much as I can ahead of this week, uh, this weekend's gig. But next week I'll go back to the workshop stages and I'll pull more tunes apart and I'll keep practicing the ones that I've kind of got back to speed. So um, it feels good and I think it applies to, to whatever we do. Um that we can pick up tricks along the way that get us through and uh, sometimes they work and sometimes they don't and there's a sort of a an almost random nature to their success um, because they're not underpinned by the actual working. Um, now, while I'm by no means a method actor, I think we could apply it to rehearsal or, or to something as simple as line learning because actually... I can fudge through lines and I can kind of cram them and then I might get away with it or I might get 80%. But if I really work on it, it's a different story, isn't it? When it's in your bones, when you've really learned it. And it's like the difference between flying by the seat of your pants because you're standing in for somebody or your last minute, whatever, a one-off gig and actually being in something where you've you've learned it, you've got the muscle memory, you really know it and you do it it has a way that it comes out of you and there's a way that you've sort of planned to do it and you execute it. Um, And there are little subtle differences and there's room for those, but ultimately you're strong in your centre that you you know how to execute this performance or whatever it is. So I think it applies as well to, to music, to performance, singing, acting, you know, all these creative things that are, of course, about inspiration and about 
um, flow, but the flow bit comes when the work has underpinned it. You know what I mean? So I've been sitting there practicing, and and in the initial stages, it feels sometimes a little bit devoid of of spirit. And then once that work's done, at some point, I'm playing it back at full speed. And at one point, it just happens. I don't have to try, but it just happens where it's being played. I've done the work in advance, and then it's being played. I'm letting it be played, rather than playing it, trying so hard to play it. Um, And that's flow, you know. Um, So it's a perfect time, actually, for me to sit and talk to you, because this is so fresh in my head. I've just come through from the other room where I've been sitting playing for hours. I did the same yesterday, I did the same the day before. Um, And and I'm really starting to understand deeply, uh, not only the idea of flow, but the sense of putting the actual work in. There's kind of no excuse for it. And yet I've managed to sort of get by for years. Um, and I'm talking about a very specific thing, about about one very specific type of melody that I play at an Irish dance competition that I've kind of fudged my way through. I'm not talking about my overall practice in any sense. I've played the accordion on stage and shows many times. And in those cases, usually it's, well, always it's a case of learn exactly what I'm doing and then it's in the muscle memory. But for this, because we use so many different melodies and you run through tunes at such a rate, I throw them in and add them to the repertoire and I have not given them the time and the respect, actually, of, you know, taking them apart and really making some clean and clear decisions about how I'm going to how I'm going to let them be played. And I'm starting to do that now. It's time consuming and sometimes it's frustrating, but the rewards are so clear. It's kind of like, it's like being in a gym or something. You know, at first you're like, oh my God, I'll never get this. Um, this is too heavy or it's too difficult. And then after a while, there's something comes, you break through a wall and you go, wow, this feels really good. And it feels better than um, just grabbing something and, and, you know, you could lift it over your head in the first instance, right? Imagine you walked in off the street in your jeans and you went, I could lift that. And you strain and you strain and you lift it over your head once and you somehow get away with it. You're sore the next day and you know you didn't do it properly and it was a bit of luck. Whereas after years and years, or however long, of actually putting in the dedication and the time and training your way to that point, then you can lift it with a knowing that you can lift it. Uh, And you lift it and you don't think about lifting it, you let it be lifted. So there's my gym chat. Um, And bear in mind, of course, that I never go near a gym. It's my idea of hell and I'm I'm full of respect for people who enjoy it. Um, But to, to, to drag yourself to that if you don't want to do it. It's just, yeah, for me it doesn't, it's not the thing. Um, I have to come to these things organically, whatever it is. I mean, I've been I've been playing that accordion since I was a kid. And in the last two days, I've suddenly sat down and gone, right, I need to actually practice. I can't blag it anymore. Um, I've blagged my way to a certain point and there's some things that, that I simply don't have enough inbuilt talent to be able to blag. I think that's that might be it. Um that I've gotten away with a certain amount just through sheer kind of, you know, musicality and um circumstance and, and being around for a while and whatever. But there's some stuff that I can't get away with that I just need to sit down and learn and there's no two ways about it. So that's where I'm at and um I hope that you can identify with that in some on some level, and I hope that you're well. I hope you're you're staying well. We're into February now, which which does make things slightly easier. I think um, January is always feels quite long, and you know I, I'd say it's there's probably a higher proportion of us not working or not doing the work that we really are passionate about at this time of year. There's a chance that we're doing something that we have to get through, um, but I would encourage you to find the presence in whatever it is that you're doing. Um, even if there's a part of your brain that thinks this isn't the thing. Well, the reality is that right now, if it's what you're doing, it is the thing. Um, because life is only right now, remember. So I'd encourage you to to, to see um, the flow in whatever it is that's put in front of you today. Because there's only one thing we can't argue with, and that's the, the truth of the present moment, the actuality of the present moment. Um, if I'm doing the dishes right now, I can't argue with that. I can't make, I could make some philosophical argument against it, but realistically, it's happening, okay? Um, 
But everything else that's in my head about, mm, I wonder about that audition, and such and such never emailed me, and I should maybe, oh, and I wish I hadn't. All that is in my head. The reality is the dishes, and that's all there is to it. And I suppose I would encourage you to think that way uh, or approach your work in that way, whatever your work happens to be. And when I say work, I mean maybe you're taking care of a loved one who's not well today. And that's today. Um, And really, the only place that you're an actor in that moment is in your mind. Because you think of yourself as an actor. You identify with the concept of actorness. The reality is you're a carer. Well, you're a human being, aren't you? And maybe your work today is cleaning the house. And maybe your work today is is going to the gym. Maybe it's acting. Maybe it's rehearsing something, writing something. Whatever it is, I would encourage you to, to just be in it. To do it in fullness. Um, because really, that's the only way. You know, uh, the rest is torture. To do something and to be resistant to it. That's where the pain comes. The pain isn't in the thing. The pain is in the way we look at it. And if we uh, invite resistance to it. Or, or indulge in resistance. That's where the pain is. Um, so there you go. I did it again. I went into my little spiritual head um, and I make no apologies for it. Um, I think the thing about these these projects, and I'm talking about the podcast here, is that they evolve over time, don't they? So as as my life has changed and my focus has changed, so has the, the feel of this show, maybe. Um, the format remains the same and hopefully it's a catch-all, it's a space where I can kind of talk about this stuff um, and it won't put you off. Um, but the reality is that the, the way I'm talking now is the way I kind of approach life and that means work too. So that in itself is 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 an offering for you as a wee insight into this, this the way I do things. Um, take it or leave it or take what you like and leave the rest. Um, and the great thing is now we're going to have a guest and we're going to hear about someone else's approach to it the way someone else's mind works and it's not like mine and that's what's great about it so before we bring on our guest of the week i want to remind you that you can support the show by following us on social media giving us a wee tweet a retweet adding us to your instagram story to say that you're you're listening to the show stick us on your tiktok let people know and tag us when you do it's pit cc pod p-i-t-c-c-p-o-d that's on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Not on TikTok yet. I've enough trying to manage my own TikTok. But uh, if anyone wants to volunteer for that, they can. Maybe Cole will do that one day. Um, what, what a thing to put on him. Do that. And if you can afford to support the show financially, then please do that by going to puttingittogethercast.com and clicking on donate. Puttingittogethercast.com. Click on donate. Very much appreciated to all those who are already doing that and to all those who are considering it. Please go ahead if you can afford it and only if. If you can't, then don't. Please don't. I'd rather you spent your, your last pennies on the important things. This is a wee extra uh, if, if you have it. But in the meantime, just keep listening. Um, we need your ears more than we need your money for sure. So, it's time to bring on our guest of the week. It's Rosie Graham. She's with me and we are putting it together. Have you never been on a podcast before? I did one, but it was it was ridiculous. I thought it was just like your podcast or something like that. And it was actually like trivia it, it oh. was like Jane Austen trivia and they were asking me such difficult questions and it was like my advanced higher English exam it was I couldn't believe it and I was obviously it was like live or live enough you know as in they weren't stopping and starting no yeah, and yeah, it was yeah. these Americans and it was on zoom with the camera off which is intimidating because oh. you just don't know what's going on on that other side yeah and it was just like so Northanger Abbey or um Pride and Prejudice, what uh, parallels? And I was like, I don't, I don't know. Can I just say I love that vocal fry there? That's very good. Thank More you. Anger, yeah. That's yeah. really good, especially for American vocal, podcast. My vocal boil. <laughs> you got a boil? No. No. I knew it was something alright with you. Um, is that because of Sanditon? Yeah. Is that related to Jane Austen? Yeah, it's uh, Jane Austen's unfinished novel. Oh, so I it's didn't last, know that. Yeah. Oh, I see. And that you gives them license the to trivia. keep going for 17 yeah. seasons because they're like, it was unfinished. What are yeah, you going to do? Yeah, really. So, yeah, it was like ha- she popped the clogs after. How far in was she? It, to uh, Like ha- halfway. Just halfway No, actually, it two. wasn't as far as that. It was like the 19 chapters, I think. There wasn't much of it. And yeah, so I think in the first series, it was up to episode two was based on Sanditon. And, and then, then the rest away. was inspired by 
Excellent. Yeah. So now they can just keep going. It's like yeah. Game of Thrones. They're like, oh, we finished the book yeah. ages ago. But it always works. Out. Like, you know, when you watch something and it's like based on the true story loosely of yeah, yeah, yeah. Philip was real, but the rest were lies. And you're just like, it's tr- it was real. It was, tr- I can't believe it. Right. Based like, very yeah. loosely on a true story. I just watched, have you seen The Dropout? I don't know. Is that one of the like true crime ones? Yeah. Well, no, it's on Disney Plus, and uh, Amanda Seyfried plays the CEO. Oh, I've of heard of it. I've not seen it yet. Veronon, and it's some of it. I was enjoying it. It was a bit slow, but then I was like, "It's true. I can't. This happened." And yeah, then I'm, yeah. and then I'm hooked. Do you know what one I liked for that was uh, the one that Michael Keaton was in? It was on Disney Plus as well. Um, Dope sick. Yeah, I've and heard. It's all based on the the real story of the drug companies pushing um, yeah what do you call it whatever that drug's called and i feel like i always like things that i have no idea but i don't know anything about pharmaceuticals and then you're just in it i don't know from my boots to my super drugs to my, do you know what i mean and then, <laughs> That's I, all but I, then pharmaceuticals. I watched i watched uh, the dropout and i'm the ceo of fairness you i know all it. about it you know yeah that's how we learn blood testing yeah <laughs> so tell me a wee bit about the sanditon process was it just a did, did it exist when you first taped for it? It did. So I you didn't, knew what you were able to go and look at it and get sent to it? I was. Right. I, hadn't, I didn't know about it before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I got it in and then I looked it up and it was handy. It's just been, they were doing replays on ITV. But I could only watch like a couple of episodes. But it was good to, to sort of get an idea of the world. And, and then the, of course then, you went and read all the Jane Austen, and then novel, I thought, the whole back catalogue. Before you did the I first love tape. Jane Austen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna read all her works. I'm sure you have. Uh, yeah. So I. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the thing. It's like obviously you get a job and it doesn't really matter what it's about. You're like, yeah, I'm up for that. That's that. class. Yeah, fantastic. Um, but then you're not. Well, I wasn't a mastermind of Jane Austen trivia, mm. and I let myself down that day. I tell you, I think that episode was supposed to be <laughs> an hour, and I think I was about twenty minutes because they were like. <laughs> We need to cut this off. We can't use this. We can't use this. (laughs) This is crap. There was a moment at the end where he was like, because you know the Americans and they like love Scotland and stuff. Yeah, they do, yeah. Rosie, Sherman, I'm not. And I was like, what? And he was like, Sherman, I'm not. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, thank you. I'm saying thank you in Gaelic. And I was like, oh, tap a life. I think it's tap a life. And I don't even know that that's true. But I was like, yeah. And that didn't make... I think it's tap a lat. Depends. uh, Maybe it depends. Regional. I've got a a wee bit of, uh, from the stamping ground, I've got a wee bit of, yeah, basic audio tape. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I spoke Gaelic. I think you're probably better than me. Um, Your family's from the Highlands. Yeah. Um, Yeah, my dad's side from... Speen Ridge, Fort William, La Haber. Oh, cool. My mum's side as well, quite a lot of them from Dingwall. Oh, right. Yeah, oh, far up. So yeah. you're going to weigh up this week, are you? Tomorrow. Nice. And then I'm going to the Isle of Mull. Oh, for a love couple of days. Mull. I can't wait, I've never been. I was there last supposed summer and it just rained constantly. And the rain was all day and then at nine o'clock the rain continued but the midges joined in. Yeah. And it was pretty brutal actually yeah you forget about midges and then they're the midges are they're there. they've got a strong game in mull and yeah. what about winter time are these do you i feel like they're a bit of a summer beast they're summer yeah and yeah. they hibernate and then i don't know where they go yeah so unless they go they travel maybe to australia for their summer true yeah it's a long flight yeah but it is and and but then i hate when i've had people like in london be like scotland yeah Lots of midges. <laughs> I saw something like, online yesterday. Yeah. And it was like someone was like, "Did they have a problem with midgets there?" And it was like, yeah. "No, no, no, it's midges." Yeah, I had a woman midgets everywhere. And I, was like, I don't think that's what we say these days. No. no. Yeah, but they are, in it. and then you get those people who have the big face nets on. Yes. Yeah. And um, you laugh, and then when you go out without that, you go, "Actually, they were right." Yeah. I sh- wish I had one. Of yeah, those I back things. that. I'm all about the looking silly to. Mm, yeah. Because then you want it. It's like a summer night. The fire's on. You want to be out there. And yeah, I've, I remember like being young, and I used to go camping quite a lot, and vividly like looking down, and my arm was just covered oh. by a swarm of midges. Oh. They're off. They are. I think you're not camping this week. No. A wee bit cold. No, I was possibly going to. No. I was gonna go with Kat, and she's got like a camper van, so she does was she? like. Yeah, well, her mum does. Right, cool, I, was like, very cool. I was like, she seems too young to drive a camper van, but I don't know what the laws are these days. Um, if you've got a driving license, you can drive anything like that. Yeah, wild. 
I can't, I can't drive. And no, it just seems, that seems like, like a, bit a big of a, thing. If a marvel drive. to me. Yeah, yeah. A van, the power you have. You should. I tow the caravan. That's great fun. Do, and but are you allowed to do that anywhere? Like, I do you not know. have to have? I should find out. Special routes. No, I've got roots, Scottish roots, and that's fine. Yeah, I wish I could drive. Uh, that'll come. That'll come. But then, of course, you've been in London for ages. In fact, we were just talking there about how you got your first place when you moved out of Glasgow and never stayed there because you got a job. Where did you go? Belfast? No. Yeah, but it was a while. I was there for like, I moved in 2020. Had um, you just graduated? Well, I'd like fallen out. Like I was been all, spat I'd been spat out, out yeah, yeah, yeah. and just isolating. And then, and that, and went, that was like March. And then I was, I ended up isolating in a place called Castle Douglas. You ever yes, been there? Very yes. nice. Uh, random. Dumfries Shire? Yeah. Or Dumfries uh, yeah, and Galloway? Yeah, Dumfries yeah. and Galloway. In uh, a house with my mum and her partner the whole time and I it, like genuinely hadn't seen anyone under the age of 50 for four months and I was and it and like we were quite lucky to be there and I think it would have been much harder in Glasgow like a tiny flat so and no garden like at least and... there was access to like outdoors like that was yeah, so yeah. lucky but um but it was random how we ended up there it was because my mum's partner like does up flat so oh. he'd been working on this wreck for years and he just finished it and was trying to sell it as we went into lockdown so we had like a house and a garden for the reason that wasn't ours like and it was brand new it was done. brand new but we could live there and How then cool. it got sold yes yeah, so it was really lucky or else it would have been like a tiny flat in mary hill no garden so that was so lucky but i was just like oh i need to I need to live now because it's been you know yeah, yeah. a quiet few months and i was like it was the first time there was nothing going on at all. I felt like I wouldn't miss anything. So I was like, I'm going to do it. And I didn't have anywhere to live and I didn't have a job. But I, luckily I had my, my agent was in London and I was like, I'll go to London. The streets are paved with gold. Yeah. And then, and yeah, so went and it was a bit of a riot. Like I was between like staying with a friend for a week and then Airbnb was really cheap because it was lockdown. Of so course, then yeah. we got a really cheap Airbnb for a month and then, in that month had to find somewhere to live had to find a job and it yeah it was a bit mad like at that time i had like seven years of waitressing experience but i applied for all these things online couldn't even get an interview so then i had to wait until i knew where to live but it's obviously such a big place and we were just there was no like area we were looking we were looking at london London. so yes. we were going to honestly viewings like everywhere like i toured that city <laughs> And then finally ended up in East London. And then like the day we knew we were moving to East London, I just printed out CVs and handed them in. And then they were like, we're not taking any, like we can't give you a job. We don't need people. It's so quiet. And then ended up working this edgy meat restaurant in East London. Called, meat? Yeah. And I was sort of like pescatarian, but I moved to London and started eating all this meat. <laughs> Like, yeah, yeah, sounds like it would yeah. happen. And you was that like near where you were living? It was the Relatively. ten minute walk. Yeah, oh, okay, okay. I was living on Brick Lane. Do you know Brick Lane? On actual Brick Lane. Yeah, which was mad. Okay. Because we were between a flat in Putney, which was just like a residential. Could have been just looked like houses, mm -hmm. and it was a bit far out from everything. Or Brick Lane, which was like London. And so I was cool. like, if we're in London, we might as well live in London. Love it. But it was really like, it was tiny. We didn't have a living room. We had lots of mice. It was it was okay. so loud and noisy. And it was a fun experience, but it was, yeah, not for not for long. Pretty um, wild, yeah, yeah. And then I was just, yeah, working in this restaurant for months, working, doing, I worked at this place in Notting Hill, which was like really posh childcare. It was like, it was sort of like sporty games for rich kids that needed occupied. Sounds awful. Yeah, it was awful. I hated it. Yeah. I hated it. I thought it was supposed to be like sort of drama classes. And I went and the first thing that happened and I was like, I'm not right for this was like, it, every, it was like the poshest people I'd ever met, like all with their signet rings on, all of that. Where are you from? Nice. You know, tan. Get out in Scotland. <laughs> Don't believe it. <laughs> I was like, yeah, and then it was like, anyway, kids come in, play games with them, you know, keep them occupied, up, nannies pick them up. And it was just like mad world, like mm. all, they all had nannies that picked them up. Um, and then they ran in and suddenly the instructors had been really cool, were like, hello, sausage. <laughs> what are you, how are you today, Henry? And I was like, oh my God, I can't do that. The facade has dropped. That is uh, such a ready, I was like, I can't, I can't be that guy. 
and I was bad at it. I was like, hi kids. You can <laughs> be asked for that. I just can't, I was like, oh. Mm. And the kids would be wearing like designer clothes, like Gucci shoes. And then for their lunch, I'm not joking, like we'd have like ham, I'd have like ham and cheese sandwich, like Tesco meal deal. And they would have like smoked salmon bellinis and potato dauphin <laughs> <laughs> I'm not like. Were they rich people from the 1970s? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it was, wow. it was a wild world and i'd try and be like oh this was good once um hugh grant's daughter was in and there'd been whispers they were like oh that's hugh grant's daughter and i was like i want to confirm and this poor girl she was like four and i was like um and then what does mummy do (laughs) she was like i can't remember what she said and i was like and uh, what does daddy do and she was like an actor and i was like and uh and what's mummy and daddy's names <laughs> to try you, and like confirm that it was snake. true and then I, and then i was like and what do you want for christmas and she was like a water bottle and i was like oh times are tough for you <laughs> she's she doesn't give her a drink she's only asking Poor for a water things, bottle absolutely yeah. right, ravenous she just needs a drink of water yeah. nice wee girl actually but it was quite painful because the people were just like like it was like what schools you go to i was like hell head high school <laughs> Like what? But they're all. That's like such a thing for them. Right, eating. To talk about, yeah, literally, yeah, yeah. Harold, like, talk about this. And there was another moment where I was like, "This is not my crowd." Where someone was like, "Eh," it was like Groucho tonight, Groucho, and I was like, "What's the Groucho?" And they're like, "You don't know the Groucho." Are they all like you the don't know the Groucho? We're talking about private members clubs. I'm like, as if, man. Like, you have to go and deal with the mice. Yeah, Lane. I'm going back to. They might like calling up Santa and my landlord with another mouse spotted. <laughs> There's so been th- another sighting. So that was the first like six months, which wow. yeah. So it actually wasn't all like woo, just after a jab. But so uh, yeah. you've got an agent, <clears throat> yeah, who's in London, yeah. And are you go- are you being seen for things, or are you taping, or is anything happening? It was, I was working so much that it was. It was one of the ones where I was so, so desperate for like the circumstances to change and to get something and to get a job that, but I was also so busy and it was like any self-taper I had or addition I had was sort of inconvenient because I mm-hmm. could had to take days off work and then was a bit short on rent. Like it was, it was a hard like few months. It was also, that was like the second half of 2020. So, you know, we kept going back into lockdowns. Yeah, you're like, oh, it's um, done. Oh no, it's not done. So it was like sort of all over the place. But I think... At that point, I was being like, drove on by like, oh, it's exciting. I'm in London. I'm doing something different. It'll happen. And then the first thing I got was a commercial. Uh-huh. It was like my first time I'd ever auditioned for a commercial. And I got it. And I was like, this is what I need because I just need money. Of it course. doesn't matter like what I'm doing. I just need money. What was it? It was to play a pregnant woman. Right. I thought it was a bit offensive. I was a young 21-year-old. Listen, no, it's twenty. It's twenty. Twenty-year-old people. It's true. It's true. I'm not. No disrespect. But maybe not the stereotype. I was feeling of like so a, young and fresh, yeah. and I was like, "Why are you casting me?" Because it was supposed to be like a sort of haggard old pregnant woman. Oh, like, come on. And I was twenty, and uh, and I was like filming a car. It was American. It was for Verizon, like a wow. phone holder. But it was being directed by Suzanne Bier, who's like Oscar no, really? winner. I don't know if she's nominated or has an Oscar. She did um, Serena with like Bradley Cooper and Jennifer Lawrence. She did The Night Manager. Oh, wow. Yeah, like a big director. So I was like, this is it. She's going to love me. She's going to put me in all our films. <laughs> and then... You're going to be a star, kid. Come here. Yeah, and I Come was with like, me. to the new job, I'd made my friends at Smokestack. I was like, guys, taking a day off. Got a commercial. And then... One day. Two days. And uh, I was going to like a, a warehouse in Dalston. I was like, this is so exciting. But do you know what it was? It was actually like being picked up in a car and driving in London. And that felt so fancy because that's like, you never, in a car, you're, you're never, never in a car, car in London. London. No. You're, and you know, it was like the reality was like a two hour drive getting car sick. But, <laughs> but I was like, I'm getting picked up in a car. I'm um, going to vomit, but I think it's worth it. Yeah. Did it was like, it doesn't even matter how it was. My big pregnancy bump, bit silly. Um, because I've done it and I'm getting that sweet dollar and I started like spending I was like guys my family's like this is on me this is on me mm. bringing in the money and then Brian um, it didn't come out and I didn't get any of the money oh you're joking <laughs> no you just got the, was, day, the day fee I got for the filming. day fee but like the buyout the usage was, the, is, yeah, the thing. was the dollar and, you didn't and get I didn't it. get a penny and I didn't even find out like from my agents I had a different agent at this point 
I found out because the woman who played my mum in it, who was lovely, Connie Hyde, she messaged me and was like, Rosie, we're not getting the money. And she'd spent all of hers already on a vet bill. How awful is that? Wow. Yeah, so it was like, that was like a big learning experience. What the hell was wrong with her dog? (laughs) An advert sized vet bill. Very high maintenance, very high maintenance. But yeah, um, so that was terrible. Um, and that yeah so that was like a good I guess a good <laughs> you're lesson you like I get this guy yeah I was like so funny guys Rockefeller we had made like this stupid plan in the flat I had three flatmates uh, that the person who got the first job would pay for everyone to go on a hot tub boat on the Thames <laughs> a boat with a hot tub in it yeah because I saw someone <laughs> like on Instagram now I never want to do that that but sounds at the time, very I was like, grim this is London you go on a hot tub boats on the Thames oh that's so grim I know it's and I'd never I, I wouldn't want to be in a bikini on the Thames like it's it's filthy <laughs> there's like disgusting. floating bodies and rats like yeah. all you know what I mean but you go on a boat and there's someone obviously like driving the boat li- like listening to your conversation and you're sitting know. in this hot tub but that was like the that was the epitome that was like we've made it if we get in this hot you? tub boat you didn't. so I was like they were like well it's on you and I was like it's on me and I booked but luckily Covid times it was cancelled and I got a refund and I was like thank god because I'm not paying I'm not paying for a hot tub boat <laughs> um, and I never I've still to this day never been in a hot tub boat and I don't think you yeah. ever, not on the Thames anyway yeah. I hope but, so that was the first kind of job yeah that was London. like November time and then this was we're back in lockdown we're, and then it was I was in lockdown That was there was a big stint um, and it's actually when I met you for the first time, Brian. Don't know if you remember. Don't know if you recall. Uh, in the park. On my twenty-first birthday. That's right. In I the botanics. That. Yeah. So I was then home from like early December to February, and all the while, you know, it was like the fr- I just moved. It was my first time leaving home, and right. I'd moved to London. So I'm paying these like hefty bills, like horrible. So you're still paying for the rent in London. Yeah, because it was just you know it was lockdown, so I was either all my flatmates had gone back home too. Oh, no. So I'd either be there alone in brick lane not very nice or okay. like with my mom so i was like i go back to maybe keep, you need to keep it there for when yeah you go back. so yeah so i'm paying rent for all these months which oh. was stressful because i didn't get that advert and i also couldn't work so it was all like quite a stress and quite a bad time to move um but then it was when i was home and yeah and i met you on my 21st birthday i forgot it was your birthday and you day. gave me a shout out Thank Did you I? very much. You gave me a birthday shout out. I can't believe you can't remember. It uh, meant a lot to me. Mm, love uh, episodes. <laughs> love episodes. Sorry. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> fair play, fair play. Um, yeah, so I got my birthday shout out. Delighted with that. But again, 21st birthday, height of lockdown. But I went for a walk in the botanics with Cole Stewart and I met you. And that's enough in and some ways. Many people would say that was the best gift you could get. I mean, well. Not you, but other people you, maybe. Yeah. And. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then it was, it, I was home and I was taping, 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 right, and I got yeah. a job. That was Sanditon? No, oh. that was The Skill for Good and Evil. Oh, that, and yeah. that's only just come out not, not that long ago. Yeah, so it was... That was a long time ago you shot that. A long time ago. Is that a movie or a series? A movie. It's a movie. Um, and I did, de- I'd done my first tape for that June 2020, so it was like a really long process that I had sort of, I would like forget about mm-hmm. because you do a tape and I usually go by if you don't hear in a couple of weeks just patch it you forget move on yeah or or right after you've taped it yeah try and just try and forget about it Mm -hmm. um but you know like you never hear no so if it I've not heard within two weeks I'm like it's a no yeah of course Um, but then this was like I did a tape and then it was a good few months and then I did another tape and then it was a good few months and I was asked to come in and then it was another good few months and then I thought it was a bit over the top because it was the first time ever they were like okay for your recall we're gonna you're meeting the director you're meeting producers you're meeting cast and director but we're gonna get you a car we want you to covid test and then we'll arrange like travel and i was like oh a lovely idea i'll take that because they never like even arrange, if i'm car sick that's magic arrange travel and again nice. a car in london Lovely. what a thrill <laughs> um, you're easily pleased i like that well see because like my mum didn't drive so there's still something about being in a car i find really exciting just how you left is lovely anywhere yeah you've offered me left home and i can't wait brian well i'm <laughs> gonna really? try and get cole to do it because he's here so yeah might as well use him um anyway but yeah, cars, so fun. <laughs> so yeah, so this is a serious kind of recall then because they're arranging the travel, they're doing COVID tests. They yeah, must think. You but know. it was like the script. 
I had three lines on the page. So I was like, why are they making, they're ripping this a bit, they're wasting, they're wasting time. Because I thought it would just be a, a day's work. Mm-hmm. Like there was literally three lines on the page. Uh, and then... So you, this is, can I just go back? You're doing these tapes months apart. Yeah. And it's three lines. Three and you're lines. Like, this is an awful carry Honestly. On. And even to, tapes where you have like three lines are the worst because you put so much on them when usually yeah, it's just the less, like. The fewer lines you've got, the yeah. worse it is in any case, I think. Off, yes. It's much harder because so you're trying much, to make yeah. the impression yeah. on such little basis. And actually it's not that important. So it's, you shouldn't so dwell on it too much. And, but I'm yeah. like hello mum you know like trying to give my whole character the relationship with the mum yeah, by the way I say mum my piss my time at w- in war in that one line <laughs> um, so I was like nonsense and I was like what are they doing yeah, and yeah, then yeah. and then and I, I was really confused because it just wasn't clear what it was at all at all and then I'd gone in I'd met the director big fancy director Paul Feig I remember oh wow yeah he the thing about him is he's like they say he's the best dressed man in Hollywood because he's always wearing a three-piece a three-piece suit he like is all every day even on weekends Brian he's dressed to the nines and I went in and I had and I like I was like oh he's quite fancy I'd looked him up and I looked down and I had a big hole in my trousers and I was like so scruffy. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is so embarrassing. Like, obviously, if they ask about the hole in my trousers, I'll say, oh, I just, it's I just in Westwood. slipped in the... And I, yeah, I'll make up an exciting excuse. Yeah, yeah. Not just like, I did know they had a hole in them, but they're so comfy. So I keep them anyway. Okay. Um, so I went in and that was grand. He had a lot... First, also, what I noticed was lots of lovely snacks in front of him. Oh. It was like the American style. Really? Yeah, what did it have? Biscoff biscuits, some oh. fruit, some drink, different types of drinks, some chips, as they would say. So he was USB. kind of all for any, yeah. whatever took his fancy. It's been a long day, obviously. Uh-huh. But again, I was like, three lines, you're wasting your time, lads. Come home, I'm in the lockdown, self-taping at home, which is always a nightmare, because mm. like, mom's like, do you want soup? And I'm like, <laughs> do you want that's soup? not what she That's not like, your line. No, I'm like, hey, I'm doing a soup tape, mom. Um, she's like, well, I'm hoovering. Yeah. <laughs> 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 And then, yeah, and and I did another tape and it was, and I was sort of like, what's this? Not like Wait, you did another tape for After the, I'd met him. Oh my him, goodness. And I was like, what do you want from me? <laughs> and, but then I got a call, got the job and it was exciting because it was like the first job I'd got with this agent who mm-hmm. I'm with now. And it, it was like, I thought it would be good because it was her. And then she was like, I'm just going to add Richard onto the line. And then they were both at a conference call. Oh. Now that's confusing because you just don't know when to speak and when not to. Well, your go-to would be just to keep speaking, I'm sure. <laughs> what makes you say that? Right? <laughs> You've already said what it twice that? today. Uh, anyway. Who's Richard, the other agent? Yeah. All right. And they were like, well, got some good news. You've got the job. And it turned out it was a film. I was optioned for three of them oh. and it was four months of filming. So it was a totally different thing to what I thought it was a day. So was it a different part then from what you'd read? No, or? but it was just... Um, I think there was still quite a lot of changes with the script and actually when I'd auditioned I read for I read a few people's lines they just wanted to sort of see you and see you do different right. things so they milked these three lines but I was just like it's it was a, a whole day. Part. yeah and actually okay. there was a lot more than that but you know like in these films and it's like sort of a big ensemble movie so I was in it a lot but usually doing nothing or I'd say like one line yeah. so it's hard to You're audition there. for that yeah because yeah. it would be like a one line so I just did these sort of this page okay. different characters so it, but it was it was a lot of days like I was there for four months it was crazy so it was mad because it was like the first job and and the first film and first time being put up in a fancy place and fancy cameras and all the fancy stuff all the fancy cameras. <laughs> yeah. getting a lift were you getting a lot of lifts oh my Brian every day oh, I was in, in a, a car. car honestly yeah it was the best, best part of the day <laughs> uh, it was actually because the drivers this was we filmed in Belfast and oh, the drivers Belfast, were yeah. class Belfast drivers Nice. World renowned. So you that was the first and are this the other two still in the offing, do you know? Yeah, we've not been told. So it's still ye. you're kinda yeah. still potentially. Yeah, doing more. you'd hope so. We don't really? we don't know what's happening. It's, not, it's a funny thing, I've never had that either being optioned and what it means and Yeah. In some ways I think like it's exciting because you're like, that might happen, but also it could easily not happen. And then you're slightly restricted from other work. If there's options with other works, then I can't take it or audition for it because it would interfere with this option and there's like 
legal yeah. nonsense with it. And so yeah. they're kind of, it's like a retainer, isn't it? They're sort of paying yeah. you to not do other stuff to hang about or be available. Yeah. Potentially. And you're like, guys, I need a job. I need to work now, yeah. I need to work now, yeah. I'm but used to the sort of more immediate nature of theatre work. Mm. Not that it, because it's cast away in advance often, but the, the fact is like, you're either doing it or you're not. Mm-hmm. And it's either happening right now or it's not. And if, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. It's way less complex, I think, in that sense. Yeah, and than it's TV like, and film. Yeah, because it's, I find it mad and it's, you know, I still, I'm like quite new to it all. But just, it can be so last minute. Like, yeah. my flatmate just got a job two days before and she went off and filmed two days later like mm. a real last minute job there's real last minute things and then there are other things where it's way in advance but that i didn't know so i you know kept forgetting about that and then it kept coming back up and i was like what is this you know oh, but that thing being on but just being unaware of what it's going to be like quite often yeah you get some scenes but you're not totally aware of what you'll actually i find that a from. lot of things when it comes to the early audition especially with tapes are so not what they tell you they are. They, t- they mm. seldom turn out to be what you thought it was. Yeah. They say, just read this, it's kind of this, it's kind of that. And then when you, if you do get it, you go there and you're like, this is completely different from what I was told. Yeah. Do you ever get that? Yeah. And it's that's why it's hard to tape because yeah especially if you have like one scene in the middle of a whole picture and your character's slightly irrelevant and just to serve the point of this character but you don't know about that character so right. you're, so you're no like context. You're filling like, in all these gaps yeah. yeah so you're just like oh I'll give it a go <laughs> yeah do you have the whole uh, self-tape set up at home are you quite serious with that now I do now it was it was the agent like my agent was like it didn't invest in it because it's expe- you know obviously when you're buying everything it's so expensive but then when you have it you have it yeah um, and once so you get one good job off it. it you've obviously paid for it exactly plenty. yeah and that, yeah, so I do, and it's good because, like, I live with Christine Steele, actress, phenomenal mm-hmm. from uh, Belfron, and uh, Belfron, she's got a cracking setup, and I live with her, so the setup's mine too. Thank you very much, oh, Christine. Very good. Okay. Yeah, but I've actually just had like I've come home and I don't have things here, and I, I have to do a tape, so I've I've ordered stuff, and now it's like I'll have it here and I'll have it there, and okay. it'll be okay because that's a bit of a stress when you're yeah. suddenly. So you've got a kit in, in different cities now? Different cities, yeah. Wait, Two bases. Got, yeah. Yeah. I'm actually based in, in Glasgow and London. Glasgow, London. London, Glasgow. I love when people say that, which means like, don't count me out of the job because Literally, it's there, because yeah. I'll go there if I need to yeah. go. Yeah. But then it is frustrating because I, I never know what to say like when you, they ask you to do a slate, which is the worst thing in the oh, world. It is disgusting. I like, oh, I hate them so much. And I never know if you're just like, if you just say, Rosie Cream. London, Glasgow, five foot four. If you're like, hi, hi how, how are you? I'm Rosie Green. <laughs> That's I'm, awful. Believe it, I'm not five foot four. Do you know what I mean? Like, I know. you just, yeah, it's terrible. My agent does like text titles for us if we want. Oh. And I don't know, maybe it's the type of tapes I'm doing compared to the type of tapes you're doing. I don't know. But I'm like, do you need a slate for this? She's like, nah, we'll add it on. Yeah. So I send my agent videos on WhatsApp. And she goes. That's fantastic. That's cool. WhatsApp. Yeah. It's all happening on WhatsApp. I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not had a lot of jobs from tapes. <laughs> Maybe that's why. Yeah. But it's yeah, it's hard, isn't it? I, I look speaking to different actors and like not older actors, but slightly older actors, and it's like I hate this. It's so new to me, and what a mm. shift when their whole career has just been going in rooms. But I graduate, like I left college in 2020, so my whole yeah. time has been self-taping but also for actors especially actors based in london or if actors up here going to auditions in london their whole career has been schlepping across town or across the country mm. to an audition yeah so you could argue that self-taping is in fact a lot easier yeah because like before i moved to london and another reason i did is like i was at college but i had my agent there already so mm-hmm. i was spending all of my student loans sass like getting the train doing auditions getting the sleeper train back up like down. back up and down yeah. for these auditions and and this was something that was always really annoying. Like, you wouldn't want to, again, you'd be saying, based on London, Glasgow, because you wouldn't want to miss out on work. Yeah. But then I would have spent all my money getting the train down, have not slept at all because I'm on the cheap seat sleeper train mm-hmm. from 11 to 7 a.m. And then walking into an audition at 9 a.m. And they're like, where have you come from? And I'd be like, Glasgow. <sighs> and they'd be like, oh my God, I didn't realise you were travelling so far. I'm so sorry. Um, oh. And then they'd feel uncomfortable. But then you're like, 
so I'll just pretend I live in London. And I've had eight hours sleep. And I've had eight hours sleep (laughs) to make you feel better. But then also maybe you should know the struggle, but then you can't know the struggle because that makes you feel uncomfortable. You know, it was a weird thing. It's a mess. It's a bit of a mess, isn't it? And the one time I did decide to lie and say, London, they were like, whereabouts? I'm like, um... I didn't know London at Maybe all. So I was, I was like, <laughs> I was like the cent, center, cent- central, downtown, 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 downtown London, downtown London, yeah, 42nd Avenue. <laughs> I, was like, I don't know. Did you actually do that? I said something like that. Yeah. Cause I like, you don't know areas of London. All you know is Piccadilly Circus or the London yeah. Eye. I think I was like near the London Eye. Near the London Eye? Yeah. Well, actually it's Westminster. Yes. <laughs> King's Cross. I live in King's Cross station. Yes. Student platform four, because <laughs> <laughs> uh, you just you don't know. No, so then, so at some point, hex. I want to hear about hex, partly because I never got a chance to see it, but partly because, I mean, it's your first job at the national, which is fab. Yeah, it's a leading role, and also working with the amazing Tarek Merchant, who I miss terribly. I love Tarek, and I was down recently, and I was so close to meeting up with him, but his schedule—he was doing. 101 Dalmatians yeah he is a busy boy just, he, was do, he was at the Donmar yeah, in the day he's Dublin he was constantly crazy. Dublin up so anyway yeah. I just want to hear about Hex so so was that you had that quite far in advance because I saw you in London in the like height of the blistering summer yeah I think I was in my summer dress we were all chilling out we weren't chilling, chilling out. Out. sweating sweating around yeah. at the time I went to see Jack Absolute and Much Ado you were yeah. there but that must have been what July, w- and you knew. No, already. I think it was a bit later. I think it was like August or September. Right. But you were like, but I knew, booked, yeah. yeah. But that was so that. So this is now. So that was school for good and evil in Sanditon was um, twenty twenty one, which turned out to be a fantastic year, and I I couldn't believe it because mm. you know. So I went on. I did that, and I went straight to Sanditon. So that was like four months in Belfast and then four months in Bristol, and then it was a bit of a dry spell, Brian. Yes. <laughs> a bit of a dry. And I was just straight back to waitressing. Mm-hmm. Um, so when Sanderson came out and was like on ITV, I was waitressing. And I like yep. a couple of times getting recognised, like servants. I was like, Stellar Sparkling. And they were like, are you in Sanderson? And I was wow. like, yes, Stellar Not Sparkling. Not today. Man. Not today. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, are you in the next season? And I was like, does it look like it? <laughs> <laughs> does it look like it, sir? Think bread. about the question. A side of bread. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> um, but I, was, I actually was working in a restaurant quite a bougie restaurant called Tokla's which faced the National Theatre the other side of the river right so and it had a lovely big terrace and it was like owned by um these artists that run Freeze Art Magazine and were like wouldn't it be fun to own a restaurant let's just open one very good yeah that's ridiculous and so it had quite like arty clientele lots of actors lots of artists and it was like summer and there's a nice terrace and I'd look across to the National and be like oh and I never ever ever had had an audition for it but I'd done the open call right. um, the year before November 21. I just applied to the open call. And uh, and I ha- like the terms were like, you had to have gone to drama school to be seen. And I, I hadn't. So I like had to beg them to see me. I was like, just give me a chance. Oh, you didn't? Um, go- I thought you did. Well, I think so, college. Oh, you can mm-hmm. f- uh, college. Yeah. Yeah. No, I auditioned for them all. Got mm-hmm. rejected from them all. And look at you now. Well, unemployed. Unemployed. <laughs> unemployed <laughs> but having worked. <laughs> Which I think is crucial. A bit. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I like begged for them to see me. Did it. I did two Shakespeare soliloquies, all lovely, and then didn't hear anything for like eight months. So I was like, mm. waste, waste of everyone times. Yeah, yeah. And then um, I was working in Tokla's and got the audition like on my phone. And you used to like pretend you needed to go to the toilet, pretend you had IBS so you could go and look at your phone. <laughs> So I was like in the toilet on my five minute IBS phone break <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, oh my God. And it was for an audition for The Crucible and um, a tiny part like understudy Mercy Lewis who has like three lines, okay. but also you had to sing. Um, so I was like, I cannot believe this. National Theatre, so excited. Oh my God, first ever audition for mm-hmm. a theatre in London, like the sort of second ever audition for theatre because I just would never get seen because I didn't go to drama school. Right. Um, and I went out and I was serving this table and it was a woman who came in all the time and was clearly an actress, but we never really established, like, I didn't really ask her her name or she didn't ask me my name. How and do you she mean just, she was clearly an actress? Well, she would just, like, 
you eavesdrop, right? And I'd hear things and oh, she'd be like, oh, I was doing that and I was directing that and blah, blah. And I was like, they're all arty types. And I was sure I knew her from, sort of from somewhere, but right, I didn't right. want to ask. Okay. But we'd always talk about like plays that she'd seen. She would come in quite a lot, I got on well for Okay. Um, and she just, and she'd never asked me what I did or about me. But then on this day she went, how's your career progressing? <sighs> and I was like, well, I uh, I just got up my first ever audition for the National Theatre for The Crucible. And she was like, fuck off. The last time the National put on the Crucible was 1990, and I was Abigail Williams. <gasps> and I was like, Holy shit, Oh I love my this. God. And she was like, I'll see you at press night. And she didn't, because I didn't get a part in the Crucible. But then. No, oh, but you were in the building, and this is I what was, happened, yeah. isn't it? So then I was like, Oh my God, it's meant to be, it's meant to be, I'm going to get this. And I knew the Crucible well, I studied it at school, mm-hmm. and I went in and I was so prepared. And I had to do just a tiny scene again, three line scene. We love three line scenes. Love it, love it. And a folk song. And I was like, well, I'll go, I'll do a Gaelic song, Brian. Okay. Because I'll stand out. We use English girls, they won't do a Gaelic song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in, said my scene, all good. Just co- I like took a selfie, like, because they had like a temporary visitor's pass. And I was like, ah, this is so fun. Nice. Woo! Yeah. Um, just to be in the building. Um, and then I sang my song. And it was in Gaelic, so I was like, so I'll give a bit of an introduction. And I gave this, like, cocky introduction. I was like, it was about the um, maiden voyager whose fisherman husband is out to sea and the villagers tell her to give up, that he's not coming back for her, that he's found another woman, but she believes in him and he does return to her and there's a happy ending. And I start the song and I cannot remember a word of Gaelic because okay. I don't speak Gaelic. I've had two days to learn it. I've been waitressing at Toklas. And it's just higgledy-piggledy. Wait, so you picked it? To I, then learn, not you had it in the no, repertoire. Oh no, I didn't you're, have anything in the repertoire. You're a I like, I'd, like, I was just like a wee folk song, like this. So, and I, I'd heard it at school. I would did Fair Avata. Do you know it? No. How does it go? I can't tell you, Brian. The <laughs> tune, like, give me the tune. No, so it's like, it's like Fair Avata. Anyway. That's very good. Is that how you did it in the day? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I opened my mouth to start singing. And I can't remember a word of the Gaelic. Oh like I'd been trying and trying and trying and I thought, oh, I'll have a backup song, but I'll just go for it. But I'd start, I'd given my cocky introduction. I was like, here we go. <laughs> so I literally just made like Scottish sounding noises for two minutes to the melody. I, I literally just went, Sucky Hall Street, look, have her no more. Oh, proclaim Stop it. Iron brew. Did you? But you actually got through God, it. You did I the whole thing. I swear to God, right? And she goes, what a beautiful language. No. And I was like, oh my God, this is terrible. That's amazing. My ancestors are turning in the grave. Because <sighs> my grandparents in the Highlands, they speak Gaelic. Like, mm-hmm. BBC Halva would be on all the time. Horrified they would but be. awful, awful, awful. And I went home and I was like, well, the scene was all right. But the song was terrible. Next day, got the audition for Hex the Musical. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. So it was ridiculous. It was all built so on lies. Who was who was there who was there that crossed over into Hex? Was there anyone or did the they cast back? just the casting director, of Naomi, the casting director. who wasn't casting Hex, it was uh, Bryony, but they obviously they whispered. They spoke. So she's gone, and I've they seen were like, this girl who would be great. Yeah, this singer. I was like, What? Like She's nuts. She speaks in some weird language. I think it might be made up. In Gaelic. Um <laughs> I think she'd be great in your musical. But so yeah, so went wow. no further with the crucible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then started Started auditioning for Hex. And how many um, many times we in for that? Four times. Four, yeah. But then I had to come back like sort of five. Um but that was just yeah, that it was then like it went quite quickly. So then this was in June and then every week um I was coming back for Right. a recall and it was it was quite exciting because I was hearing like I would do the audition and then that night they'd be, I'd find out like oh you're back next week so it was all really exciting because oh, I just I couldn't believe like it was like I was like blagging my way through it do I you know what I mean another stage and you're it, across the river yeah you know, and I was and then I was like and then it was okay because I didn't have to take the days off work because I'd go in and I'd go straight back to work across the river Brilliant. and then I'd be like to my manager I'll see days go easy I'm in tonight I've just auditioned across the river at the national and they were like I don't care I was like work <laughs> I thought you were going to say listen the IBS is a bit worse than usual today and then you run across the bridge yeah yeah I, should have, come back. I, should oh. I don't actually have IBS by the way and <laughs> I'm not in my business respect to those who do <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah so then it was real intense but it was such a nice group of people and I was just like and I really liked, I was like, I think I could do this. And I think you rarely get that when you're like, oh, I think I could do this. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Even if you don't get it, 
having that feeling yeah. during the process I think makes you do your best because you say I've got something that I can show yeah for this like I, I can demonstrate this is what I would do with it and it gives yeah. you you feel confident don't you like yeah I've got something to bring to this and I just was like I just need to fake the confidence and then like feel confident you yeah, know I just need yeah. to go for it and um, but the because and they were just and it went on like when I got the job that there's just so many people who work as part of the creative team on like a new musical that plays like the national so like, I was meeting Huge. like musical supervisors and musical arrangers and yeah. um, staff directors and assistant directors and I was meeting just all these people like more and more people would be there each mm-hmm. time and I was also meeting quite a lot of which is always the worst like the other girls auditioning for it because yeah. I'd always be like 40 minutes early which is such a bad thing to do but I just was so I was just like I'm so nervous I'll miss it and I just oh, you don't want to be late you don't want to be late but, you don't but then you're sitting yeah. sitting listening to everyone out who yeah. are like amazing and you're it's like terrible. I can't do that I'll do, I have to do my Galax on again um, I am brew <laughs> yeah but then so then yeah got it and it was when I then was doing Goldilocks Close to Greece earlier or more so you were yeah, I forgot about and that and I literally got the call three minutes before I went on oh my god which was so like mad bits. I was yeah I was just like because I this is maybe the addition I've worked hardest for ever and the yeah. most rounds and the most like I was quite out of my comfort zone doing a musical like mm-hmm. I did, and everyone was I trained in musical theater and I was a bit like I think I have a bit of my chip on my shoulder of like not being yeah. drama school trained and not having that training so I was a bit like oh and you've invested so much in this you yeah back time and time again yeah because then I was in Glasgow and I had to miss like, you only get two weeks rehearsal for that but I missed mm. a day of rehearsals to go to London again for an audition and wow. then they wanted to see me again and mm-hmm. I was and they were like your understudy will have to go on for you ha at the hour more yeah like, <laughs> I was like I don't think you understand what we're doing like, with you not gonna happen guys can't miss a show <laughs> Uh, and they were like, well, then you could go back down for for the evening. I was like, it's the hour more, guys. It's not going to happen. It's messy. Mm. So they tried to see me again. And then it was all like, oh, I can't. I can't. Blah, blah. And then eventually I caught it. They're trying and to was, reassure themselves, I think, at a certain point. They're like, yeah. oh, just this year, one more time. Not yeah. knowing or not realising what that would take from you. Yeah. What you would have to give for them to see you just once more. Yeah. It's yeah. Huge. They never take into account, no. like, commuting and traveling and it was during train strike so I spent the most money I've ever spent on a plane to get oh, to the audition just all these things but then yeah it you was it. yeah and it was like amazing it was like the most amazing experience and I just felt so it was the first time like since moving to London that I'd actually worked in London of course, so it was yeah, so yeah. cool just like going on the tube to work yeah yeah instead of like, like living real. in some other city for four yeah. months while paying your rent yeah and just and meeting lots of people that live in London um, and such a big, fun team like Tarek, oh, who's a Tarek. legend. Just so talented. Apologises for himself way too much. Does yeah. he still do that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he's for someone such a so mastermind. Talented. So talented. He's unbelievable. So funny. Beautiful like, man. Like real life. What did you work on? Uh, he wrote the music for and MD'd the Arabian Nights, which was mm. the Lyceum Christmas show in, was it? 2017 I think nice that I did yeah. and he, I think he went to college with Joe Douglas who was directing it oh nice so when I look back I'm like he was just this English MD and I was yeah. like kind of worried by him because his, his songs were amazing and he's so yeah. talented and, and easy going and then I'm like oh they were like mates from college they grew up together it's the same way that me and Gary McNair might work yeah. on something together do you know what I mean they were just mates yeah. but to me it was like the director and the MD. Yeah. I was quite young at the time, and you know, it's just funny to to a bit of perspective as you go on. But he's such a like, yeah, he's so like unassuming, cool, and totally. laid back. But then he's, I have so much respect for musicians and like MDs because you just can't fake that. Like, no, it's you can clearly skill. blag your way as an actor, you know, through mm. audition stuff. But I like, it's such skill, you know. Mm. And he was. We had a we did a funny thing together. I had to do quite a lot of funny things for Hex because I guess the first thing I've been in with a big old budget and you know budget to promote it Uh, so I sang one of the songs at the opening of the Elizabeth line at Bond Street Station at 8am in the morning (laughs) with Derek what him on keys him on keys amazing it was ridiculous it was 8am I had to get up at 6 start warming up (laughs) it's so ridiculous those things and it was and I was like what the Elizabeth line and Bond Street Station for a crowd of like train fanatics, right? Who were interested in the actual train? Oh, didn't didn't yeah. care about Hex. It was to promote like 
with the Elizabeth line you can get from Wembley to West End in 15 minutes like yeah. something like that so you can see all this theatre yeah. yeah and then I think it was like they'd, they'd you had to put in a bid to promote your show okay. and Hex had won had bet six the musical oh and I was like Christ they knew it was going to be a three letter one with an X only, at the end yeah and that was the only two yeah. that could be and they chose yeah. Hex and yeah uh, yeah so I had to sing at 8am dressed up as a, as a bit of a wig and all yeah wig and all yeah, yeah. And, and yeah but I tell you <laughs> train fanatics make a great audience really so encouraging very it's kind of and they, I suppose they take it quite seriously like they, they were, give it the respect I would what, imagine yeah well they they were like the people had been queuing the news coverage of it was so funny because people had been queuing from like 2am to be the first to buy a ticket at Bond Street Station to get on the Elizabeth line and I find like that baffling God and, love them I, I, yeah. I've got full respect but I, I'm also baffled yeah and like I met a guy and he was like you've combined my two greatest loves musical theatre and trains I am a thrilled man today and I was like <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so glad brilliant brilliant I'm so glad and uh showed me the ticket and they they were dressed up as the elizabeth line like wow. you know the underground has funny patterns on the seats oh they, they made had... like suits out of that fabric wow there's such commitment and they you've got to love that really yeah. don't you when someone i mean i shouldn't slag it because to be fair i'm that geeky about theater yeah you know exactly I mean? and most people would be like what why do you care about yeah. that you know what i mean yeah Trains. exactly it's the same kind of thing yeah if you love it you love it sadiq cam was there as well forgot about oh, him there you go. he was like Cutting the ribbon. Oh, of course, it, <laughs> it was. was so silly. Wow! But I have a limited edition Elizabeth Line pin. Nice. Me and Tarek are both putting them on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> Give it a few years. Yeah. You get a bit of money out of that. Yeah. But yeah, I yeah. felt like that was a good bonding experience between Tarek and I. Nice. We had, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're Elizabeth Line legends. And then I had to like do the day of rehearsals. I was shattered because I'd been up of since course, like six. Of course, that's a normal day then. That was a normal day. So yeah. back over the road for ten and carry on. Back over the road. Yeah. Wait to Tokla's our side. And then yeah back into the rehearsals so you're back in glasgow now only only barely just finished hex yeah like two i keep i keep i think for the next month i'll go last week last week but i think it was two weeks ago now yeah, yeah, yeah. uh but yes yeah, so this is like i couldn't get home for christmas or anything ah, that's so this shame, is my it? my re- homecoming reunion i've not been in glasgow for like six or seven months so wow. it's quite homesick yeah here you are now and then you're way up to highlands tomorrow highlands tomorrow Isla Mall Monday. Oh, that'll be I'm doing a tour. Uh, but yeah, it's nice. It's so nice to just see friends and family and stuff. And you miss the fresh air. Yeah, I, I, you do. And the clean water. I love London, but I like it in short bursts. Mm. And I, I don't know. It's been a long time since I was there for a stretch. Yeah. And I think that'd be quite something. Have you lived there? To, like worked there? Only when I was a kid. But like as, an, as a grown up, I've never lived in London. What did you do as a kid? I was in Coal a show. mines. No, I was, yeah, I was down the mines, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was in a show when I was a kid. If you've listened to this show, you probably would have heard me say this, and I don't like going on about it. So I'll leave it. It's Lee Miser Oliver. Hey, it was Oliver. Hey! But let's not go into it because. Were you the main man? Yeah, yeah. That's unbelievable. We'll talk about it after this. I'm so sorry, but that is. Our time is. I'm sorry, our time is up. (laughs) I'm not doing another episode. But everything has changed now that I'm with Oliver Twist. The whole tea suddenly you respect. Amazing. Thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been—I've been trying to get you on this show for at least a year. I think I probably asked you in the park on your birthday that day. No, you didn't. Or not? I was like, maybe one day I'll make it. On oh, the you show. wanted to, and I, I wanted did. to get you on the show. This was the first podcast I ever listened to. Really? When did podcasts become a thing? Because this was the, my first podcast. Mm, at least WTF, which the, the format of this is based on, is an American interview show where they interviewed comedians and now movie stars and public figures. At least 10 years. They, they're over a thousand episodes. But you, how long have you been going for? Five and a half. Yeah, because I was, what, it was like radio or TV, no in between, and then a podcast comes up. And it was putting it together. Thanks very much for having me. A pleasure. Well, 
Well, that certainly gave me a much-needed lift. Rosie Graham, an amazing character, had fabulous talent, um, and, a, and a lovely, a lovely experience just to just to be with her, to be in her company. That's what the show's all about. So I hope you enjoyed being in the company of Rosie and and me, of course, <laughs> and that you have a good week, a gentle week. You look after yourself, um, and you remember that whatever you're doing right now, whatever's in front of you right now, is the reality of the present moment, and I would encourage you to accept it. And if it's unacceptable that you take action, you know, conscious action to deal with it, um, I have to invoke the spirit of, of my pal Eckhart Tolle at this point who says that, you know, you can you can be placed and you can have cold soup placed in front of you at a restaurant and you can choose to go about it in one of, I guess, three ways. One is to accept it and eat the soup. One is to inwardly complain and be outraged. And one is to take action. And the middle one, to inwardly complain and to be outraged um, and to attach a story to it, um, is kind of meaningless and it doesn't really do anything like, oh, how dare they? Here's Fenway coming. Hi, doggy. How dare they give me cold soup? Don't they know who I am? All the rest of it. Um, the first way, of course, accept it and eat the soup. Or the third way, go up to the counter, bring someone over and say, this is cold, would you mind heating it up? See, that's the reality. Without any story attached, the reality is it's cold and you like it warm. There's no judgment in that. There's no um, ego in that. That's just uh, fact, right? So I would encourage you to approach your day in the same way. Whatever it is that the present moment presents, you either accept it or you accept that you'd like to change it and you have to take some action. But that you leave out the complaints, um, the outrage, the indignation and the story that says, this shouldn't be happening to me. I'm such and such or I've done such and such and this shouldn't be happening to me. This is so much what happens when we get rejection in this business and in any business. Uh, no, but that is wrong because I'm supposed to do it. Well, you know, maybe it's not wrong. Maybe it just is. I don't know. That's just my two cents on the world um, gathered from various people that I listen to talking. Um, and like I say, take what you like and leave the rest. Hey, it's a it's a creative podcast and I'm giving you a spiritual talk. Anyway, I hope you're well, I hope you stay well, look after yourself, breathe deeply, and uh, just say what I always say at the end, cheerio now.